Okay. Hi, this is uh, John Ryan with uh, Team Handball News, and uh, joining me on the line from uh, near Dusseldorf, Germany, is uh, Andreas Hertelt. Andreas, how are you doing today? I'm fine. It's yeah. Okay. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, how's how's uh, COVID nineteen life uh, treating you in uh, Germany? Um, no. In Germany, it's okay. The situation, Corona situation, is very calm here, and we have no restrictions, so it's okay. No, no restrictions. Uh, you know, just just a quick side question. Do you think the uh, German Bundesliga is going to start on time? The handball uh, Bundesliga yeah. will start with two matches in October and two matches, I think, in November. So okay. they they have a very light restart and they want to see how it works and later on they have more matches in a week excellent excellent and and the champions league going to start in september on time you think maybe that depends on how the other countries behave you know i like yeah. can only it's very difficult to organize this situation in germany but what is with spain or with hungary or poland i don't know yeah well I, I, I had to jump in with that question because it's something that's been uh, on the top of my mind. But we're not here to talk about uh, the German Bundesliga, although maybe we'll we'll get uh, we'll touch on it a little bit. We're we're here to talk about uh, about you and your role with uh, with USA Team Handball. You you have kind of a unofficial uh, supporting role uh, helping Robert Head and. But first, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and uh, your handball background? Yeah, I was a former first division player in different clubs. I played in Düsseldorf, in Essen, in Flensburg, Handewitt, and last uh, contract I got in Minden, GWD Minden, GWD Minden, yeah. And, um, yeah, I spent 13 years on the high level professional handball platform, and um, Oh, that's my 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 personal history. So yeah. Yeah. What what position did you play? I was a left wing player. Okay. Yeah. And did did you also get a little bit of action with the uh, German national team? Yeah, I did. I had ten elections, I think. So um, um, for me, the most important thing was to get one or two or three because we had a very extraordinary play on that uh, position, Jochen Fratz. It, it was the uh, Uwe Gensheimer of the 80s and 90s. So um, okay. I was glad that I could play 10 matches in two years or so. Well, it, it, great opportunity uh, to, to wear your country's colors and uh, especially for a nation, handball nation like Germany, uh, getting to do that 10 times, 10, 11 times is uh, something yeah. I'm sure you'll, you'll never forget. No, no. Um, I won't. So, I won't. <laughs> yeah. so you had uh, a 13-year professional career um, playing in, in Germany's highest league, arguably. I don't think too many people are. You best, best league in the world, top to bottom. Um, but since that time, you haven't really been a uh, – fully dedicated handball person, have you? I, I did not say what you said. Oh, I, I, was, I was just saying, yeah, you had your 13-year handball career. What, what did you do after your career professionally? Oh, I, yeah, 
I, I uh, studied uh, in Cologne and something very unusual, geology and <laughs> geographics. And then I made a education as an investment banker with Prudential Beige in, in Cologne. And after that, I got a good um, entrance in my business I'm doing now in Minden. That was my last handball career station. And um, I'm now working as a general contractor. I run my own business and I work as a general contractor for bank buildings. So we deliver one, one building for a fixed price. Yeah. But, you, but you've also stayed uh, engaged with the handball world and, and you have uh, uh, professional licenses as well in handball? Yeah, I, I finished all my licenses, A, B, and C, uh, coaching licenses. And uh, but I couldn't work because of lack of time because of my business and um, so I was always interested in handball and our old European Cup winner team Düsseldorf we meet every five years and so I had to always contact in this scene with some friends of mine like Robert Hedin but others other guys too it's a, it's a big family it's a big handball family also in Europe yeah so uh uh, tell us a little bit about how you got involved uh, helping uh, USA Team Handball, and uh, as best as you can, describe your role right now with uh, USA yeah. Team Handball. Yeah, I was very surprised when Robert Trading uh, gave me a call and asked me nearly two years ago whether I would be interested in working for the team, with the team, and for developing handball especially the national team. And I said, okay, let's have a look at the boys, at the guys. And it was a very positive impression I got. So I said, okay, let's do it. And um, it all, always depends on guys who we're working with. So Robert Hedin is a friend of mine. He's a very engaged coach. Jörg um, Putzek, I had a very good contact to him. Was involved after that. Stefan Berg as a transfer agent. And um, so we built up a little system for um for this um developing players for on a higher level for for a higher level and so it started one and a half years ago yeah it's, so you're not a uh you're not a official I, I guess at times you've been official like a, as a team leader on some of our trips and uh you also you're, you're supporting robert hedden the, the men's national team head coach and uh, the placement of players with different uh, uh, European clubs. So it's kind of a management role, but it's not one that uh, uh, it's not one that has like a specific uh, job title and, and job responsibilities. Am I am I capturing that correct? Yeah, it could. So you can say I'm uh, responsible for 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 all technical situations during a tournament that's my main part when we when we are with the team but also um i have a good relationship to all players and i try to to help them when they playing for their clubs mostly here in germany or in europe and i'm also a link to this fch program to Butzek and to stefan Bergel. and um we made some interesting transfers i think for the american handball and we try to do so in future also yeah well, so, so let's let's dive into that a little bit uh, um 
different podcasts it had come up as a topic the the forum club handball uh, fch and um their their role with the placement of some players uh, american players with some of the top clubs in uh in europe um and, and then i think we also have some players that you know aren't technically uh part of that program but they're also being placed with clubs in europe um talk a little bit about your role um with helping to find uh a good uh good situation a good club for american players in europe um you know a good player can also only get better if he works with better players with better teammates in the professional club with a professional coach and that's the reason why we have some um, players in our team which um, like Tyreet or like Drew Dolin, who might be a little bit too old now because they're 25 or 26. But we, we try to get those very important players for the West A team handball for the national team to get them in professional European clubs. The future are the young players. These players like Drew or Tyreet or also Gary Hines, they are very important for the actual national team. They will help us a lot. But we don't know what is with them in five, six, seven, or even in eight years when Los Angeles, you know, 2028 occurs. So we have to work on the short term with the national team. We have to work on the medium term and we have to work on the long term. I would say long term is the final goal is Los Angeles 2028. That might be a climax for a lot of our actual plays, but not for. So we, we, we look for um, American players playing in USA or in Europe and we try to get, get them together. Robert made a really good job with that. He, is has a good network in, in Europe and uh, we have um, now a good team yeah. we want to get better um, there are also like players like Luke Bolte or other players which come from USA who, who, who live there who are young guys and who want to to go the next step and to get a better education by maybe in a European club well let, let's take let's just take one player as an example and uh uh, I mean, you alluded to it, uh, you know, both Tyreed and uh, uh, Drew Donlin are now playing in Europe. They're American players that learn the game in the U.S. What was, let's take take the process for Tyreed. Um, for people that don't know Tyreed, uh, I think he's 27 now. Um, he played uh, football at Alabama. Um, and his mother was a, uh, an Olympian. Um, also left-handed, very, very important, uh, you know, right wing, left-handed player, talented, maybe a little bit older than desired, but someone with some skills and, you know, for our current team is a, is a key component. Um, I assume you and, and, and Robert Hedden looked at him as a player and said, okay, where should he go? What, what can we do with him? What would be the right situation? Walk me through that process. Um, for example, Tyree is the right wing player. 
you only win matches in the back, on left back, center, and right back, and a good defense with a good goalie. So the wing players, also the pivot, not the same way, but they are very important players for the team, but they're not the decisive positions. Tyreed has a fantastic physical attitude. He has a lefty, as you told, and he is very fit for his former sport, football. So it was really easy for him to, to, to do this jump. But he, he can get here regularly training in a professional team. He's uh, working now in Flensburg, um, training and playing for the second team, but sometimes also training with the first team which is a huge experience for him and he's living his dream with 27. But we don't know how long he will play, maybe five, six years. I think he can play along because he is physically very strong. The same with Drew Donlin. There's a spe special situation because of the army, army situation. But we also have young players which want to, to be part of the team in 2028. They know all that Los Angeles is an attractive uh, theme, so they work for the same. So, 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 so I guess what I was getting at is that, and, and I look at uh, both Ty and uh, Drew Donlon as almost like sort of uh, test cases to see how this program will work, you know, if an American coming abroad. How, how did you go through, you, you, you looked at Ty as a player and you said, what, how did you decide what clubs would be a good fit for him? And how did, how did that communication with the clubs and, and how was it coordinated with the FCH for uh, support uh, to make that happen? Mm. For example, let's take the goalies. We know that the best goal school, goalie school in Europe, in handball, is the, is the North uh, European, the Scandinavian situation. So we tried to get Rene Ingram, also young player, goalie, to, to give him an education in a, in a Scandinavian club. So he's worked for Chris and stuff. The same with Nico Robertson, this, starting this season in Elverum in Norway. Uh, so we try to, to see what kind of player we have. Is he talented? Has he the right age, right position? And where can we get and which club is attractive? Um, we have some leagues with different... Um, um, types of, of, of physical, uh, for let's, let's not say Spanish, Spanish league, the first Spanish league, it's not the same situation as in Germany. They don't play, they have not the same speed, the, the physical strength, because in Germany, you, you gain more money in the, in the wide. So the, we, the top players playing in Western, in Germany, because it's most attractive for them. So the, the level, sport level is very high in Germany. We have some players who could play in Swiss because we know, okay, the first Swiss league, for example, is similar to the second German league, but it's a good league and so they could play there. Stefan Bögel is the official FCH translation, knows the market very well and we, if Robert who, who, who does the athletic rating he, if we sit together and we say okay we can put which player is interesting for us in four years in six years in 2028 and so on so it, it, it's a system where we try to to build up the team for the next years yeah so it, it's 
you have to look at, I guess what you're saying is you have to look at each player and their age, their athletic skill set. And then the example that you gave was with the goalkeepers, both, both great goalkeepers for their age playing at, at lower levels in Germany. And the decision with them was like, where can they learn the most? And the idea That's was, right. hey, the Scandinavians, they really know how to train goalkeepers. You know, let's get these guys to the, you know, top club in Sweden and top club in Norway, respectively. And then I think what you're alluding to is, uh, you know, maybe there's an opportunity with uh, the league in Switzerland or the league in Spain. And it's kind of a case-by-case basis. And, and then I guess it's also – working with the agent, working with the clubs and what their needs are and who they can accommodate and, and would be a good fit for them. Yeah, that's right. We are a team beside the handball team. You know, we are an organizing team where everyone has his role and tries to do its, his best for, for this uh, single player. And that's a very um, responsible task because you don't, you can't send Nico Robinson to Elberum and say bye bye. Nico, see you. But you have to, you have to stay in contact. We have a WhatsApp group where all the players are in who live or working in in foreign countries. So we get always the feedback how they feel and they can communicate. Um, that's that's very important also. Um, but we 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 try to to. Um, copy a system where, which, um, for example, Chile and Brazil uh, did a few years ago. They sent their, or Cuba also, they send a lot of players to, to Spain, Cuba and Spain, same language. So they got a very good um, um, motivation for their national team and they became better. The same with Chile or Argentina or Brazil. Um, that's the way how it can work if you live in a part of the world where handball is not so attractive compared to other sports in America, baseball, football and basketball or in South America it's always soccer so we, we have to send interest, interesting talent to play to the area where handball plays a, a, a great role and that's Europe it doesn't matter where it's Spain, Germany or France or also Croatia or Hungary you know what, what type of support does the Forum Club Handball provide? Is it just, uh, uh, is, you know, I, I'm assuming part of it is just the connections and the ability to go talk to the clubs, but is there a financial component too that the FCH kicks in? That's right. The FCH supports by money this program to develop American players. Um, FCH consists of 80 leading clubs in Europe and also Israel and Russia. And they are interested in this uh, maybe new handball market, America, USA. And 2028, we know Los Angeles, a lot of IOC sponsors are American firms and um, they should know which sport handball is you know it might be a problem for handball if the sponsors say okay we don't know handball we know 
lacrosse. Why don't we play lacrosse at the Olympic Games? So that's a, it's a, it's a difficult situation sometimes. But handball plays a, a fantastic role after soccer. It's sport number two in Europe. And therefore, we have to um, improve the handball situation for USA. Yeah. So, so some financial support um, yeah. goes from the FCH to the club itself. Like, uh, like for instance, Christianstadt. Is there there's some level of payment coming from the FCH to facilitate uh, adding Renee Ingram as a player? But then, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here. But then, you know, Christianstadt sets up a contract with with Renee Ingram and that's with him and the player but there's some money coming from the FCH that helps to facilitate that and make it uh, financially easier for Christian Stad to take on a up-and-coming player who who has potential um, nope. it helps facilitate that that's mm, that's a, a combination of all facts um, the European clubs want to support the American handball because this interesting market. That's one reason. Second reason is by this uh, financial support, the clubs can educate a player which might be interesting for them after two years. That's the maximum duration of this promotion program. So every player can stay for two years maximum in the system. But there's the evaluation after one year. So if a club says, okay, Rene Ingram, that's the case. Um, developed very well we keep him for one more year and in 2021 they can decide whether they want to keep him then they have to pay all without um, support by fch or Rene ingram had such a good standing that he can get an under contract another club in germany or wales yeah. so that's a system that every player gets a, a good education at a professional club and he you said there are some players playing here in the third or fourth league, nearly like amateurs, and they get a very big chance. That's a, it's like um, it's a win in the lottery, or I don't know. So, other Rennie Ingram never would go, would never got the this chance to go to, to Christian Stad or to Nico Robbins. They were third or fourth league players, but they have talent. They are Americans. We want to educate them, and that's the system. It, it, it's kind of a uh, – both both those guys, solid goalkeepers, I mean, you know, with, with potential, but the FCH gives them like a hand up, uh, a little extra help to get them with such a good training environment where maybe maybe they would have gotten to that level anyway. But it's something that would have taken more time, um, uh, taken a little bit more exposure before they would get that. So it's like a little boost, a little assist. Is that a That's good way right. to describe it? It's, um, it's a boost. It's really a boost. And we all know that uh, not only talent is very important for your career, that also luck and to be in the right position in the right time. And that's for those guys. Yeah. It, it, the right training, the right coach. I mean, who knows what type of, you know, players that never got that opportunity to have a really good coach, get them that little, a little bit much better to, to get a better look with another pro team at a younger age. You know, 
hard work and determination will get you there maybe eventually, but maybe it'll get you there three or four years later than it, than it would have had. As professionals, for example, we had a juniors uh, tournament in Menden, Sauerland, near, here in Germany in January. There was a player, Thomas Morawski. He's two meter two tall. He's 15 years old. And his father was a former professional Polish um, handball. Yeah, well, and, well let, me, let, me, let me stop it, you just there. I think, because I, think, I was just uh, communicating with someone else about him. I think, is it Tomas or Tristan? No, Tomas Morawski, I think. Uh, Tristan, you're right. Tomas I, I think, I think. And, and, and when, I, when I heard, oh, yeah, he's 15 years old, he's uh, six foot seven, and he's left-handed. Right. I'm like going, oh, my God. That's right. I mean, that's right. and his dad played professional handball, and he's an American. Oh, that's right. I mean, that's right. I, I'm, I'm sold on him, and I've never seen him play. Um, no, it's a, he, because he lived in Germany, not in America. He, he has an American passport. Um, you know, these are guys who, have, who are Americans and they have a German passport or Polish passport. They live here and we got the contact indeed by uh, Rene Ingram because they know the family Murawski from South Germany. And they told him, oh, take him for a tournament. He came to this tournament in, in January. We saw his physical possibilities we we talked to him we arranged um, a tryout at Flensburg and he will play in Flensburg next year too he will live in the academy and we will get fantastic education for a few years and that's 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 a player for the future not for the next two or three years but it might be a player 2028 30 uh, 24 or 23 so that the system how it can work but six, that's six seven, six seven, right back. Well, yeah, you know, we have, eighteen. I, I yeah. could see him. I could see him playing at the twenty twenty three Pan Am Games. Yeah. I, I, have, I haven't even I'm seen done. him play. But done, if he's done, done, done. take take care. It's it's a long way. <laughs> it's a long way from a young player to a good professional adult player. You know, but um, he's. He, he can influence it by its own will and own energy, and we will see. He, he is being given the opportunity um, right. to develop as a player, to go to Flensburg's Academy, and, and um, yeah. that'll be a professional training environment at age 15. Wow. I mean, honestly, the U.S. Is, has never had a player like that. Yeah. <laughs> We will see. So, well, with that kind of opportunity, I mean, you know, and it's hard to say. Who knows how it will turn out? But I think the key is is he's being put in a position where it could really pan out to great things. I mean, he could, he right. he would still learn as a player, um, working with his local club, and he would still develop. But he's given an extra push now to to really That's maybe. Right take off as a player you, you said it it's a boost it's a boost for the players yeah. and um, for example again this tournament in January in, in Menden it's a little small village here um, Luke Bolte came here on its own cost he fly, flew to Düsseldorf I picked him up I've so, never seen so him let me, let me let me interject there so Luke Bolt uh, 
He plays uh, circle runner for Ohio yeah, State. Evil. He's been playing handball. Well, he played part of a part of a season. That's all he's played. Um, yeah. And and this might be a good transition. You know, I'll let, I'll let you chat about him a little bit, but um, I'll have some questions after you give me your initial perspective of okay. him as a player. I saw him on in January first when I picked him up, and he we I, I drove him to the tournament, and we spoke a little bit. I said, oh, I'm the first time in Germany. I played hand, a basketball. I say, okay, you play basketball. And although you play handball now, I said, a few months, a few weeks, I thought. So the same evening, we had a national match against Luxembourg. And there were 800 spectators in the gym. And he heard the national hymn, the American national hymn, in front of 800 people. It was the first match ever for the national team for a team outside America. And and he played 50 minutes and he played well. So that's also a talent which will get supported by, by this program. Corona stopped it a little bit, you know, we have all the same problems since March, but he will be a member of this program too. Okay. The next day. So, and, and this is where um, I think the challenge of stateside players versus uh, Americans that, uh, you know, growing up overseas, learning the game in a traditional European sense, um, yep. and it's it's a different uh, it's a different situation. And I love what this program is doing for guys like Rennie Ingram and Nico Robinson, and now uh, Tristan Morovsky. But but the reality is is there's only so many Americans growing up in uh, Europe in that situation if we're ever going to this is my opinion now probably probably a lot of people's opinion if we're ever going to develop as a as a handball nation we're going to have to get a lot more of our players stateside um you know guys like luke bolt uh, and maybe you know some other some other guys but one one of the challenges that i've always seen for players coming um stateside to europe is finding the right club environment. And the problem is, is, is you might have some great athletic talents, but um, they haven't been playing the sport very long. And somebody would want to go over to Europe and play with a club, but there's a lot of difference between um, the second team at Flensburg or the Flensburg Academy and just your typical run-of-the-mill uh, fourth division Oberliger or uh, lower club. And, and I guess what I'm getting at is you would have guys that would want to go overseas and play handball, but they're just not good enough yet to play with a, with a top program. And they want to play and they're playing with a lower level club that might just practice once or twice a week and, and play one competitive game on the weekend. It's, it's better handball than they were with what they were playing in the U.S., but it's not the type of training environment that's going to, um, you know, daily training environment that's going to get them better as a player. So I see that as, as an issue. I, you know, I, I, I don't know if I've even seen Luke Bolt play at all. Um, he's got a steep learning curve. What what level can he go at, and and what kind of training environment, uh, you know, 
that he can he that that's going to work for him. How do you how do you solve that problem? Uh, we can't solve this problem in the short term in America itself because we don't have a structured league or professional system compared to European Europe Europe. But in uh, Europe, uh, a, a player like him would be part of a good youth team. Yes, but we have in Europe maybe a few thousand Luke Boltys. He's talent, but talent is only one fact. It's the same situation as I said. Say we have a good basketball player in Germany. You say we have fifty thousand good basketball players. Same same level. So, but but but. He has an American passport. He's an American, so he has a uh, he has a big pro to to get a club to be supported and to get a, a, a stronger boost than a German player or a Scandinavian player or a Spanish or a French player, and that the that that the system how it can work when we pick up single players who have an American passport living all, all over the world. That's only one system in Europe, but we have always. To install, we have we have to install in long term the system in USA itself. To we have a system with the nationals, and Robert has the responsibility to to be there once a year to see the guys who are playing there, to make this uh, this um, athletic athletic rating for players, and then we say okay, these three players, male or female, are worth being. Um, promoted in a system like the FCH program, so it, it it can work. But better was if we have a system in America, a structure, a youth structure, a league structure. But we don't have. As long as we don't have a structure in America, we have to go there where it exists, and that's Europe. And so, players from the third or fourth division, which are young enough to learn a lot, they get the chance to train in a professional club. Well, well, let's just take an example of a guy like Luke Bolt, good athletic skills, but minimal handball background. Um, is, is someone, you know, what level would he go at? I, I, I just want, I'm wondering like, uh, you know, like Flensburg's second team. I, I doubt if he has enough ha handball background to fit in, in that training environment. So, so, where do we send it? Where do we send a gifted American athlete that's just, but his handball skills are just so level? What, what level and where at, where would you send a player like that? Like Luke Bolti? Sure. Um, he, he will have a lot of problems if he, if he was in an academy in Flensburg. You must imagine the academy of a first division club in Germany, they're only the best youth players. They may, be, they may play in the fourth league or third league, but they're 18 years old or 19. They play against 28-year-old guys. That's a big difference in handball. If you're 10 years older, you don't have a chance against a physical stronger opponent. That's, that's normal. But they get a good technical, a good um, defense education. For example, Tyreed has problems in, in his defense uh, attitude uh, compared to a higher level. So he has to work on this special situation. And um, Drew Donlin has to work in special situation where he's standing at a pivot. And this, so there are 
as, as, as more professional system becomes, the more detailed you work with the guys. And after a process of two, three, four years maximum, Tristan will stay in Flensburg, I think, longer than two years because he's very young. Um, they, they have a good um, level. They reach a good level and then they can go the next step. Well, I, 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 I'll just uh, ask, it doesn't really answer the question of what, where do we send somebody who's a really gifted athlete um, without that skill of, we can't send them to, to a place like Flensburg Academy, where, where do we send them? Or, you know, as do we have a place in the U.S. or even it could be in Europe where that gifted athlete gets a lot of hands-on dedicated training to try and get them up to a level where they can join a European club in a professional training environment? Um, in my opinion, it's impossible to get the skills in America to be successful in the, in, in, US, in the European market. It won't work because it's not only a training, it's your teammates. You must have enough teammates on the same level. You must have a good coach. You must have the facilities. You have to build up a league. You have to be in a, in a contest every week, one or two times. So let, let's all the surroundings which must fit. And that's not the situation. It's not yet organized in America. And so players were interested. They, I heard by some guy, they, Tyreed, for example, he threw the ball against the wall 500 times a day because he had no team training. And that's because USA is a great country. They have no clubs. The distances between the clubs are a lot. Los Angeles, New York, and so on. You know it better than me. So um, they have to, to go the step to another system. So, so um, giving a little bit of historical background with handball in the U.S., um, we took a lot of good athletes, many cases really? had, a, had a, uh, a good European coach, and we set up a residency program and, you know, trained them in handball basically full time, you know, practicing every day. Um, trips to Europe to, to play against uh, different levels of club teams and national teams. Um, it was um, a relatively expensive setup to do that. But back in the day before handball got more professionalized, and we had a lot of really good athletes, not me. I just may, I say I'm a little bit lower, but I was practice fodder for some guys. But we got them to a level of handball skill where we were competitive um, with uh, European teams. You look, at, you look at our 84 Olympic team, it, they only lost like by two goals to uh, Germany, who got, the, who got the silver medal. And I realized it was a different time, which is part of the reason why I'm a little bit skeptical of, of trying to recreate that same sort of program. Um, but I guess even if we were able to get our club level up to a better level, I guess what I'm saying is kind of like a boot camp, if you will, 
to take to take some guys like Luke Bolt, and we have some other guys. I, I look at Aaron Ham and uh, William Kennedy. They have some skills. They played on the junior national team. Um, maybe not as good as some of the European-based players, but they haven't been playing as long either. Um, but but I see a gap where maybe they just don't have the skill to go directly into a top club. I'm just trying to say, how do I bridge that gap? Um, okay. mm -hmm. Does that, does that help? Well, yeah. Well, one more idea was if we find um, interesting players, male or female, in the tryouts in, in America, and we say, okay, we, we speak to the players and we say, could you uh, think about going to Germany, to France, to Spain, anywhere? Um, and this player says, okay, I spoke with my family. Sometimes these guys are young, seven or 18 years now. It has to be organized very well. I, I can understand this. I'm far myself, so I wouldn't send my, my son to America without a real structure. But the next step would be, that those players get a basic education for, for example, three or four weeks in July, where mostly the European teams are off by Robert or by another uh, good coach to, to give them the basics to, 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 to minimize the gap between this and the other system. But John, as you said, if I wasn't convinced that there are a lot of potential in America for handball sport, I would not do this. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm very impressed by the, by his spirit and also by the physical attitude and by the mentality. And I think handball should be, or must be a very, very good, it, it suits to America, the philosophy I have from America. And it, it's a it's a fast, hard, and, and attractive sport, but it, but it must be developed. Over a few, I know a lot of guys tried it to develop handball, fantastic. Maybe we we don't have success too, but we tr will try it and and and, and we'll give our best. You know, but it's not all to, it's not all to only give your best. You, you mentioned 1984. I was a player from 1983 to 1995. And if I compare the system, the handball system from that time to today, it's totally different. You cannot compare it. It's only full professional system and players. They practice two times a day under other circumstances. They gain more money and so on. And that's... That's one point. You cannot compare this situation, this actual situation, world-class handball, to the situation in 1984. It will never happen again that uh, a top European uh, national team like Norway, like Denmark, like Germany or France will can lose against or it, it's a, it's a, against a, another team from. From from a from an area where handball is not as effective, uh, because it's a, it's a very professional. It became a very very professional sport in yeah, Europe. I'll go on a little bit of a tangent because this is something that that I've heard before, um, and I've I've uh, I follow rugby. The same sort of thing happened in rugby, um, and I've heard some people talk about how you know they became officially professionalized. There were people that were getting paid. But at one point they said, 
you know, we're not going to pretend anymore. This is going to be a professional sport. People are going to get paid full time to do this. And U.S. teams that were kind of competitive in the past, all of a sudden, they were just getting annihilated because the situation with the European teams um, changed dramatically. When, when did that happen for handball? I mean, did that happen? I mean, I, I played on the 93 national team that went to the world championships and we played against, you know, Stefan Olsen and Magnus Wieslander and stuff like that. Those were pretty good players. Yeah. Yeah. They were, they were professional. They were getting paid. What, what happened from the 1980s to, to 2020? Was it a, was it a gradual shift in professionalism or was it like boom, boom? Can you, can you elaborate on that a bit? And when yeah. did that happen? Um, you know, uh, the system in Europe changed in 1989 because the war broke down between East and West German. And I, I, I joined the last German-German handball um, final between Frankfurt Oder and Düsseldorf. It was very interesting because the military sat on the back. It was, it was fine. It was, it was two systems. The capitalism uh, and the, uh, the socialism system in, in Germany. And when the, when the wall fell down, um, the system, also the sports system in Europe changed. We got the European Union and a lot of plays from Hungary and from Poland and from Romania and so on. They came into the European community and they said, okay, uh, we want to play handball there where we can gain money. So the national handball uh, situation in, in Germany especially grew up especially what well, the Bosman judge Bosman was a football player from Belgium yes, yeah. at this at this at that time um, it was not allowed to have more than two or three foreign players in the team and he was a Belgian player and he was player number four in football in the soccer club and he said I want to play I'm a European citizen you cannot um, deny to play in the club and he won and there was a that was a benchmark because after that every club in Europe could have as many players from Denmark or Sweden or as, as they want for example Flensburg traditionally they have a lot of Danish players traditionally Kiel has had a lot of players from Sweden as you mentioned before and so on so um, the, the level the sport level in the German league and also in, in Spain developed and in France and Balkan, Hungary, it grew up enormously in 10 years and also salaries. Yeah, well, were players, were, what did the, uh, were players getting paid before? And, and what was the jump in salaries in terms of, uh, you know, well, percentage most, or times? Most of the players from East Europe, they didn't get money before the war fell down because they were, um, normally they were soldiers in the army and played handball. And so now they could, could walk from, from uh, Budapest or from Warsaw to, to Flensburg and to, uh, to, to gain money. And they could play handball. And a lot of uh, managers, Western managers went to East European parts and they bought the best players. Also happened in soccer. A lot of soccer players came from the East European market in the West European market. And so the level grew up. We have now in, in football, it's um, 
the East European um, clubs don't play a role in the international football. It's Italy, Spanian, Spanish, and Paris Saint-Germain, sure. Paris, and, and France and Germany. But but in handball, we have some clubs in the East European situation. So we have well, a very diversified. Well, well, I guess what I'm missing is here is like in the 80s, were players in the German Bundesliga, were they full-time professionals? No, uh, only a few. Only a few. Only, only a most, few. Only a few. Yeah, yeah most, most of, uh, I, I uh, once a day training. So uh, sometimes on set Sunday after a match, jogging walk, but that was all. Um, we had, so, so we had in the year, we had, I think about 200 or 220 sessions a year, training sessions. And the Russian player who worked in the army, they had 350. <laughs> you know, that's a huge difference. Yeah. So they were the best, the best uh, national team in the world, the Russian national team well, at that when, time. And then when the did the German Bundesliga switch from maybe just a handful of full-time professionals to it, virtually yeah, everybody getting... Uh, it changed up the Bosman judge. It was 1994, 1995 at this time. When I finished, it started up and a few teammates said, oh, we should have played handball later. We could have gained more money. I said, yeah, you're right. But you, you won't, then you had no job. You had you no know, business education. All my yeah. teammates, they have a good jobs and they can, um, they can live without playing handball. Yeah. You know? And, and see, this, this, is, this goes back to a theory I've had because um, I'm an older guy, but there's guys older than me. Me too. So. And they, they, you know, they're like the guys from the 84 Olympic team. They talk about how, how much uh, greater they were and how they, you know, took Germany, you know, down to the wire. And I think overall they did have some more talented athletes. But the, the point that I've tried to explain is, um, even though they weren't professional basketball players, they had played basketball at the highest level in college. And those were professional environments and, and maybe more professional than some of the handball players were, were getting in the Bundesliga, even though it wasn't their main sport. Um, they were, they, in some ways they had an advantage of really being on the big, sp big stage in their original sport. Um, and, 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 and what I've tried to explain is that handball has just grown so much in Europe that we can't, we can't do a solution like that anymore and, and be successful. You know, this is my opinion. And, um, I, I think what you explained to me a little bit is, is just how that happened in many respects. Um, I have a lot of respect for everyone who took part in Olympic Games and who played good games. And even if they lost by two, that's a big success in 1984. And you had your success in 1993 or four. Yeah, we got clobbered by everybody, but we didn't have that much success. Oh, 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 oh I had my, or oh, we had our biggest success in 1989 when we won the European Cup. But, but you know, that was 1989 and 1984 or 1993. Now we have 2020 and we, we work on 2028 in Los Angeles. So we have to, we have to introduce, we have to, to improve the system. We have to adjust the system. Yeah. What, what age, what age group 
then, you know, like, let's say that, uh, um, what age level are you guys targeting then? If you wanted to take a, a, a talented <laughs> American over. I can say now as, 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 as young as they are, as the younger they are, the better it is, yeah. but it's, it's, it's not realistic. So, um, if we get a player when he's 15, 16, 17, and he has talent and he has good skills, is good. And mostly sports plays a big role in, in school system in America. They are all physically very well educated. And we have a lot of players. There are 380 million people living in America. So um, that's it's nearly the same size as in Europe from people. And so so we, we will have enough talents, but we have to find them. We have to... We have to search them, we have to find them, we have to, to develop them, we have to put them in a system, and we have to wait a few years. But it must be a permanent work for a few years. Not this way, but this way. And so, so the, the, the challenge with that is, um, you know, there's a couple of uh, breakpoints, if you will, as to when athletes become available. And right. I think our very best athletes we're never going to get them because they're going to play professional basketball, football, or whatever. But there's a lot of uh, college athletes. Ty Reed's mm -hmm. an example. Um, mm -hmm. Who at age 22, when their collegiate career is done, they could be enticed to, to take up handball. Um, that, you know, the problem then is, you know, that's a little bit older. Um, tougher to, to bring in to that European situation, I guess. So that's, that's one break point. Then there's uh, I think there's another break point after athletes graduate from high school, there's athletes that, you know, aren't going to be the top level college for whatever reason. Um, and, and, you know, that's the focus now of, of developing a good collegiate system and you'll get athletes like Drew Donlin, who grew like four or five inches in college um, and became, you know, more of a handball interesting product. I look at a guy like Aaron Ham. He's a center back for North Carolina. I mean, the first time I saw him play as a freshman at the college nationals, I said, hey, this guy's pretty good. You know, and I find out, wow, he's only been playing for a few months. Um, so we don't have you know, uh, thousands of those type players, but we have some of those type players, but there's, there's two break points. You know, there's a, a group of talented athletes that would come at 22 brand new to the sport. And then there's a group of athletes that will come at age 18 or 19 brand new to the sport, but they'll have three, three or four years of college, uh, Luke Bull, uh, that will come in there. Um, and I guess that's the challenge of, bringing those type of athletes into a European club situation. Um, that's right. That's right. It, it's, I, I won't say that's impossible to educate also um, a 22 year old guy, but it's much more, it's more, it's easier to develop a six and 17 years old guy. You know, if you um, have special movements, you have to change. It's easier when you are 16 and you try to find out and to improve this move uh, than with 22 or 23. Well, there are and, some... 
There are some Pele's like, like, uh, like uh, Tyreet, okay, and they are very talented. And if he had gone with 16 or 15 to Europe to stay there, he might be a better player than he is now. I don't know. But he played football. I, I can understand. Most young players, young guys and, uh, with 16, 17, 18, which are very talented, they see the big money and the parents say, okay, you must play football, you must play basketball, handball, what's handball? It's the same as if my father would have said to me, hey, you must play baseball. I said, baseball? We're baseball in Germany? There's no one playing baseball in Europe. Yeah? Uh, so um, I played handball because I, I wanted to play handball because it was one of my favorite sports. So we must try to, to make handball more attractive. Yeah. Well, let's talk briefly about the challenges with different court positions. Play, playing positions for instance um goalkeeper and how how would an american product um and coming in at uh age 22 maybe he was a goalkeeper in uh in uh, water polo or a soccer goalkeeper or lacrosse how would you bring that sort of is this uh, is this FCH program bringing players in? Is that anything feasible at all for a goalkeeper? Um, no. Okay. I, and and that's that's why when I found out you know, that we had if you have physical uh, attitudes, you are two meters five tall. You are very flexible. You have talent. But then you're not a water polo. I don't know. Uh, one has to see. It's, it's very difficult to generalize it, to say in common, all, it's, it's impossible. It is possible, but it's difficult. It's very difficult to, to influence a player who's 22. And if you want to reach a high level, a professional level, you have to start very early. Normally, now I started playing handball when I was 11. I had Romanian teacher, school teacher, sport teacher. But, but most young people start playing humper with six or seven years in Germany. Yeah, I, just, I just look at the challenges of goalkeeper, and I don't yeah. even know how we did it before. We had some, some solid goalkeepers, but it was, it was really challenging to bring someone along at, at an older age. And I look at this, this talent and the experience level today, and I'm like going, Wow, if I if I had to pick any position where I've got some good dual citizens playing goalkeeper, never goalkeeper. <laughs> that's the one I would pick: goalkeeper no, and and right back. Ah, uh, right back is okay, but not pivot. That's all. Fucking well, no, I, as I'm saying, in terms of having somebody that you can come in from a dual citizen standpoint with that skill set, as opposed to trying to create a stateside, top notch. Goalkeeper, really tough to do. I guess is what. Really, the easiest oh. position is the easiest position indeed is um, is the pivot. Uh, that's um, you know he he has to know where he's standing, where he blocks and, and defense. What he has to do with three, four, five, six situations. They are you. You can work with it. That's the reason also why Drew Donlin does a fantastic uh, uh, development now. His, his skills are get, getting better and better. You won't recognize him. We will see him next month again, I know, and he improved 
after three months. I saw him in, in, in January or February we were in, in Sweden for training camp. We went there and he was, it was really impressive. He's physical, physically stronger than he was before. He was even before very strong, but now he's strong. And yep. he's very self you won't have to You won't have to argue with me. I, I, go, I mean, a circle runner is the, uh, is the easiest position to learn. That's probably why they stuck me there. <laughs> less difficult. Let's say less difficult. Many people tried to convert me to backcourt. Many people failed. However, if I was left-handed, yeah, no. yeah, yeah. if I was left-handed, I think people would still be trying to convert me into a backcourt player. <laughs> yeah, we have. Unfortunately, we have a lot of left-handed left-handed now in our national team, in the in our in our group. And for future, we have Max Pinderis also on right wing play. We have some other Swedish guys. Yeah. So our position, we're looking for some more. Um, um, players are left wing, left back. This is these are the situations or positions we are looking for some players. Yeah. Well, I, I guess that's it. It, it. It's much tougher to bring along a stateside American to learn all the intricacies of backcourt. Um, I think I think uh, circle runner is a bit easier. I also think, you can correct me. Do you think wing is a position that we can wing. bring a newcomer in? Yeah, wing is easier, I would say. Uh, wing is not so difficult. Uh, not, not, it's, uh, it's easier to learn. than uh, You know, I, I said that all matches and tournaments uh, will um, win or lose, lost in back, on left back, center, and right back. On these sure. three positions, in combination with the defense and goalie. But the left and right wing players are the people they know what to do and they have to, they need a good score uh, yeah. situation and that's all. Um, well, we've, we've been talking for an hour. We maybe, maybe we should wrap up. Um, okay. I, do, I do have one question and I think one of the, one player that I saw, if it, we had had a, an FCH program in place sooner. How would you have seen Gary Hines' progression as a player if we had had the FCH program when he was like 18 or 19? Where, where do you think he would be playing and what position do you think he would be playing? He, he would be a, a rounder in all back positions. He's for a typical left back player, he's too small with 1 meter 84 or 83, I don't know exactly. But he has a fantastic physical um, uh, body, and, and so he can play everywhere we put him. It's a very valuable play. You can put him on left wing, left back, center, right back. He oh, oh, on every position you can you can win a match with him. That's a big. Uh, that's that's very important. It's all rounder, real rounder. If he went to handball system with sixty, I. I think he, he, he could have been a really professional player. I don't know if I, it, it works. A lot of other um, circumstances are important for that, but I, I would say yes. I would say yes. He, and now he's 36. He's on the swell from the player, Gary Hines, to uh, maybe coach. So we are always also working on, on his situations because he's a very, very 
important player, now actual player for the actual national team, and so we need him. But on the other side, um, he, he must think about what he's doing in his future. Yeah. How does he want to live? What, 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 what you, alternatives here? Do you think he could have been a first division Bundesliga um, left wing with the right uh, progression? The sort of progression that you're setting up now. Twenty years ago, uh, when I when when I played handball, I think yeah, but no, I'm not sure because handball developed extremely. What 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 the physics um, concerns, and so he might be a little bit too small for left wing. Maybe a center player or left wing. If I, I would say he could be a good left wing player, yeah, because he's very fast and he has a good jump. And so, um, maybe, but that's theoretically, um, I, I can't tell you. So it's... You mentioned coaching. Is, is Mark Ortega, um, in his role with the uh, Dutch club, is that tied in with Poland, the SCH program? Yeah. He's also, because we want also develop coaches, coaches which could coach other coaches in America or in or Europe, uh, national teams. And so Mark Ortega got in this FCA program as a professional coach now in Foyendam, in Dutch, near Amsterdam. And um, yeah. yeah and we, tried to get, and we tried to get also Gary Hines maybe in one or two years or next year in a system. So um, we work on all, on all guys we know, all guys who are very... Um, who did a lot for American handball also. Yeah. You know, Gary Hines is not playing. He's the face of our team, and uh, or one of the faces of our team. Sure. And um, he's very professional. And, and yeah. um, Are there any other back. players, are there any other players that you are looking at to put into the FCH program? Um, I, we have some players who are already playing in the, first or oh, second division like in Hüter. In Hüter is the head of our team, the center player and he's um, uh, a really good guy and he is, is a very intelligent player. He's physic physically very strong. He can also play on left wing, right back, uh, right back to, on all positions in the back and on the wing. And um, I think he, he will be our head also in the next years. He is now 23, and when we played 2028 20, Los Angeles, he's 31. It's the best age for handball play because he has experience, and and she's now playing in Dormang by Dormang, the second German division. Right. But um, I could imagine that he can change in next year. Yeah, uh, maybe maybe to a, a first to division club. Yeah, to a professional club anywhere in Europe, because okay. he's not. Uh, he has a contract now. He, this contract is still uh, till next year in June, and um, he's a serious guy and he's a very honest, good guy. And he wants to fulfill his contract. And after that, we will see what happens. So he could definitely move, maybe move into the FCH program, maybe get uh, one of those top clubs to, to take a look at him. And no argument with me. He's he's the linchpin of our team right now. Anybody who knows just a little bit of handball, knows immediately how he, he changed things. Um, what, about, uh, what about Abu Fofana? Abu, 
Abu is a special type. I, I really like him, and he has a, yeah. a big talent. You know, left back player, a good shot, and um, I really like him. Yeah. Um, he, he must come a little more professional in his behavior, but he's on a good way, and he did a good um, development for now. One and a half, I could I could watch him for one and a half years now, uh-huh. and. Um, they are all you you find in sport every time you find yeah. well you know like he moved you you, you 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 find types like Ian Hüter and you find types like Abu Fufana yeah. totally different from type but everyone finds his way at one point you know Abu maybe one year later or one or two it's 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 a, it's a way to live also but he is a he has a fantastic jump and good shot, and uh, but he can do more from his talent. Yeah, sure. I would I would say he's not at the end. I th- and he moved he moved to a new club, yeah, uh, on sure. So I think I think that will be interesting to see how how that uh, works for him in a new environment, maybe new responsibilities. At least that's what I'm hoping. Yeah. Um, and then off to the side, I hear I hear names floated around that haven't really joined the U.S. program, but uh, they've got some skills. I, 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 I've seen Junior Scott play. Um, any hopes of him joining the U.S. team any, anytime soon? Players who play in the first German division can always have our team. <laughs> okay. That's all, uh, Alfred Jonsson in Hanover. Yes, uh, that was the next. It's, that was the next. It's, uh, it's uh, an extraordinary player, but those players they have also a French or Jonsson a Swedish passport, right. and maybe they are more. Maybe I don't know. They are more interested playing for Sweden or France. I don't know what what kind of interest there sure. are. So these interests are individual. We work on it. They both did not um, play one match for France or for Sweden. So. Um, yeah, we'll see. Any anybody else out there that has a secret American passport that uh, we can add? <laughs> no, it's Americans with having European passport. That's the right direction. Not Europeans yeah. with an American passport. You know, that's very important because we have um, we have as many uh, only Americans, and we have Americans with a European passport. You know, Drew, Tyreed, right. Mark Ortega. They don't have a European passport, so we try to. Also, to to we are very interested in support only American players by tryouts in America to 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 to, to get a rating by by the by the, by by the head coach. And if he says, "Okay, this player is interesting for me for my idea," then we will support those players. Well, Andre, Andreas, I could I could chat about every single player on our, in our talent pool. But uh, we've, we've talked long enough. I really appreciate uh, your filling in me about uh, the professionalization of handball in the, in the 90s, uh, the FCH program, and your role um, with the U.S. team. I really appreciate what you're doing uh, in basically a volunteer capacity. I think that's a, that's a, a really good deal for the U.S. Thank you very much, Tom. So, subscribe to the podcast. 
follow us on Twitter, Facebook. Uh, for Andreas Hertelt, this is John Ryan, and thanks for listening.